Ladies and gentlemen, this is According to Callus, and we have a new episode. It is Monday, right after the 20th anniversary of, yes, the uh, horrible date in my life, 9-11. Yeah. So this should be episode 124, and I gotta be honest, I, I really, I didn't know what I wanted to do with this. I, I... I 20 years it's a long time and honestly there are any number of emotions or thoughts that are at play with this and I I, I just don't know where to go with it I, I I don't know how to approach this that I can be even handed that I can be fair minded that I can be objective. You know, these are things that I like to say that I do on a regular basis and that I'm proud of the fact that I do it on a regular basis. But I got to be honest, at the moment, it's just a challenge. It's a challenge. How how do you stay objective? How do you stay fair-minded when you look at what's gone on in the last 20 years? So, the only way that I think I can do this justice is to relay a few stories, basically transpiring how we got from then to here, the mm, journey, if you will, in my life of sorts, uh, and how it relates to what's unfolded. And then at the end, I'm going to have to ask a couple of questions that quite frankly, I'm a little... I don't know if I'd call it nervous, but apprehensive, a little taken aback because I think when I ask the question, it will immediately be perceived one way and I don't know that that would be beneficial. So I'm going to put those questions at the end of the conversation here. So as I said, episode 124, I don't have a pithy title, but I'll just say uh, 20 years later. How about that? 20 years later. So 20 years ago, plus two days, I believe it was a Tuesday morning. I went downstairs and was eating my uh, breakfast and I put on Fox news that morning and it was uh, the local channel Fox, not, not Fox news proper. And they were interrupting whatever they were head on to show how, you know, there had been this plane that had just flown into the World Trade Center. And they couldn't figure out what happened. And while they were filming this and while they're looking at it, it appears like another plane runs into the other World Trade Center tower. And at this point, I'm just like... Jumping to conclusions, as only somebody can do when they're, you know, 29 years old and watching something like this unfold, what does this mean? Where am I, I going to have to go? What sacrifices are going to be necessary in order to deal with this? That night, uh, you know, I, and I should point out that I dropped my daughter off to school. I drove out to UNT to take my courses. Uh, they kind of shut us down early and uh, 
Then I went to work and I worked my day and I distinctly remember for about a week, multiple conversations occurring. And before I get to that, let me just say that that night I put my uh, daughter to bed and I was, you know, laying down next to her. I had just finished reading Dr. Seuss and she asks me, you know, something along the lines of daddy, what, what happened today? What, what's, what's, you know, what's so bad? And all I could remark was, honey, I, I think we're going to go to war. I don't know what that means. But I know that our lives are never going to be the same. And that night was probably one of the only times that my daughter ever saw me, you know, shed tears. And it wasn't out of fear. It wasn't even really directly out of anger. It was just overrun with the emotions of that day and just what all the implications were. You know, it was, I don't know, seven years earlier I got out of active duty military. I spent a couple of years in the Navy, you know, just a little peacetime service, nothing that I beat my chest on and say what a great guy I am or anything like that, but just for the context. And immediately I thought back to all my shipmates, you know, the, the guys that stayed in, the guys that maybe got out but were going to go back in, and I, and I just kept thinking to myself, what did I owe my shipmates? What, what was my responsibility? You know, do I need to go re-enlist? Do I need to, what's going to be the best course of action here? Well, you know, ultimately, uh, after consulting with my wife, who was a little less emotional about it than I was at the time, and we sat on it and talked about it, I had a daughter. And I had a higher responsibility to my family at home than a few guys that I may have known that might still be in, or let me rephrase that, a few guys that I knew that may still have been in. And that higher responsibility trumped that. So I, you know, I stayed home with my family and I, I went about life. And as I said, in that week, there was a number of conversations that I took part in, you know, from turning in late in Afghanistan into a giant lake and then turning it into a sheet of glass. And, and you know, the, the irony was that allegedly the people that did all this, none of them were actually from Afghanistan. It was just that somebody went and hid there. And the country that had the greatest number of, shall we say, participants was never put on the naughty list. And, you know, I I was aware of things and I paid attention. But like most people in the general public, I really couldn't see straight at that time. I was, you know, I was wanting that pound of flesh. I, w- I was wanting the leader of blood. I wanted payback. I didn't know who from, so I wasn't willing to just, you know, strike out and destroy everything and everybody because you know that's counterproductive and foolish but but i knew that something needed to happen and then you know those those conversations were mostly at work and with a few you my fellow students and then along came some different classes and conversations that happened in class and one of them was well how do we account for how this happened 
you know, surely we must have had some of these people under surveillance. Surely, you know, 19 people don't get on three different airplanes and do the same coordinated event without there being some way that we knew what was going on. And indeed, at the time, I told one of my professors that I, I believe that they knew what was going on. They just didn't communicate it to the right people that could have done something about it. Whether that was intentional or not was not for me to say. And certainly at that time, I, I wanted to believe that, that our, our government wouldn't allow something like this happen, that our government truly felt like it had a duty to protect us as a country, not me individually, but as a country. And, you know, this went on and then, then along came this document, the so-called Patriot Act. And they, they threw this forward and told us that it was going to keep us all safe. It was going to fix everything. And in the meantime, they shredded what was left of the Constitution. And, and honestly, at that time, there were a lot of serious problems and a lot of mm, whole sections of the Constitution that were largely disregarded, ignored, or simply ruined. But the purposes of the Patriot Act, you know, they seemed somewhat benign, right? They want to protect the homeland. They're going to create a whole new department, Homeland Security. To think that didn't sound Orwellian to some of us would be a stretch because we were all concerned about it. Um, Then to basically toss away the Fourth and Fifth Amendment in many cases, and just in case you're not up on them. The Fourth Amendment is the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Well, in 20 years, virtually nothing you do is private. Virtually nothing you own is private. Virtually nowhere you go is private. Indeed, there are many cases where they can violate your own home for no good reason. Now, in case you haven't noticed, there are a large number of people that are still sitting in a jail or prison, if you will, um, without even being able to see attorneys. And, you know, the Fifth Amendment does say something about that, right? And I'm going to just skip to the pertinent place here. Basically, this is a due process thing. And it says that, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb. Not shall be compelled it should be nor, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. Nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Nor shall private property be taken. Okay, well, that's not relevant. So, clearly, that was ignored, right? They had this place called Gitmo, and they were wrapping up people and sending them down there and holding them for undisclosed periods of time. And 
honestly violated that. And then in the Sixth Amendment, all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district where the crime should have been committed. And they have to they have the ability to confront their witnesses against them and to find witnesses in their favor. In other words, you can subpoena them and have assistance of counsel. Now, coincidentally, they just declared a whole bunch of people enemy combatants and promptly ignored that. And you know what? They're still doing it today. They didn't get a jury trial. Again, they're non-combatants. They're not U.S. citizens. They don't deserve that, right? But they do, and it's a citizens now. And then there's the Eighth Amendment. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. What do you call holding people in solitary for an extended periods of time? What do you call waterboarding? What do you call any of these various things that we employed against the quote-unquote non-uniformed combatants? Well, I know we twisted our logic. We twisted our law so we could justify what we were doing. And we salved ourselves with the idea that ah, these guys aren't really U.S. citizens. They're enemy combatants. Well, you know, some of them were, in fact, U.S. citizens. Some of them did have rights that we are supposed to be protecting. Some of the people that took part in this, well, they conveniently found workarounds. Well, we did it outside of the United States or we did it in this country and our people didn't actually do it. And, you know, in many cases, they didn't have the military do it which might have had something to do with the fact that the military, at least at that time, in large part believed that their oath was binding and that they actually were supposed to follow the Constitution. So they found contractors that weren't bound by that. And then, of course, there's the little problem of we're doing the same things now. And at the time, these people that I knew, they believed that this would only be used in these special circumstances, only be used on, you know, these people that are coming here to do no good. But that's not what we're doing, clearly. And I warned them. And I and I told, and I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I, I told all the people that were so excited that thought this was a great idea. Many of them labeled themselves conservatives. And I warned them. I said, you don't want this. This is a terrible idea. At some point, you're going to have a guy that you don't love. Because at the time, they were all in love with George Bush. You're going to have somebody in charge that you don't love. And to think that they're not going to abuse this and use this against us, U.S. citizens, is just a foolish thought process. And indeed, in the last 20 years, we have seen that that has come true. It has been used against the rest of us. And, you know, even then, the people that were enthusiastic against it because they all hated George Bush. And I told them, you know what? I'm glad that you oppose this. But, you know, George Bush won't be president forever. You know, W is going to step down and don't be lulled into sleep. Don't think that your guy is going to behave himself, that your person's going to be restricted, that they're going to not take this and abuse it. And again, was proven to be true. Over the last 20 years, I've wondered, how is it that we can still be involved in a war that we never actually declared? 
Now, I know there's these things called police actions. I know that, you know, there's this stupid law that abdicates the responsibility that Congress has to declare law and says, well, you know, we can just allow the uh, president to make these declarations on his own. You know, he can he can act like a king and declare war. That's not what the Constitution says. Indeed, there was a number of times that this has been relevant. None other than the great Ron Paul. Dr. Paul stood up in Congress and said, hey, look, look, you know, if we're going to have a war in Afghanistan, if we're going to go invade there, Congress should declare war. That's our job. And they laughed at him. And they said, oh, that's not necessary. We don't need this. You know, there's this War Powers Act thing that we can just, you know, we can do whatever we want. But that's not right. That's not what the Constitution says. And if we're not going to follow the Constitution in the case of an emergency or a case of war, then when the heck are we going to follow it? When are we going to quit pretending that the Constitution actually binds any of these guys anymore? It doesn't. Yet we still play along. A little bit later on, the great Dr. Ron Paul said, hey, listen, there's this other piece of the Constitution where we can issue letters of marquee and reprisal. You know, we could send privateers out after these people that did this. You know, we could chase them down. We don't have to do a full war. We, we have things less than this that we can do. These are things that are constitutionally permissible and enshrine this appropriate action. You know, the eye for an eye. But again, largely laughed at, disregarded. All those things don't matter. You don't have to do those. We just have a military and we need to put them to work. And again, later on, I don't remember if it was 2008 or 2012. And at this point, I guess it really doesn't matter. The great Dr. Ron Paul is in a debate with Rudy and Rudy's poo-pooing and ta-ta on how great he was as the mayor of New York and the mayor of America and, you know, this terrible thing and the great Dr. Ron Paul said, well, you know, you maybe ought to consider why they attacked us. You know, motives matter, right? You don't necessarily want to antagonize a cornered animal. And he talked about the idea of blowback. Now, even the CIA, which, you know, take it or leave it, has admitted that was part of the motivation, or at least that's the motivation that they ascribed to it as far as those that were part and parcel behind the attack and the planning, they said why they did it. And it was blowback. And again, dismissed, laughed at. And yet, he was right. All three times, he was dead on right. A hundred percent. Now, you know, I, I'm sure I could go find something that Dr. Paul and I don't agree on a hundred percent. But if all the congressmen in my lifetime... If there was one guy that I would depend on to get it right, that would be Dr. Ron Paul, the great Dr. Ron Paul. Now, fortunately, his successor in Thomas Massey has done a great job in follow-up after him. But the great Dr. Ron Paul has not gone away. He's not sailed off in the sunset. He's been quite active, and he's been warning anybody that would listen that this is going to only continue. That these rights that we gave away for a crisis, these responsibilities that 
we disregarded because, you know, government was going to keep us safe. These expansions of government that we had tolerated because, well, it was an emergency and we were scared. That's never, ever going to end. They're going to continue to take more and more. And at what point is it going to be too much? At what point are they going to violate the restraint? At what point are they going to reveal themselves as to be the problem that some of us knew they were all along? Now, from time to time, I've referenced the idea that there's problems with those people that consider themselves conservatives. And, you know, a lot of people joke that a conservative does nothing more than defend and protect battles won by, quote unquote, liberals 20 years earlier. You know, a conservative is just a progressive 20 years removed. A conservative fails at his job all the time, which is why we were at where we're at. And the sad thing was, is it was the so-called conservatives They were trumpeting and pushing that this is what we need to do. We need to sacrifice our great country on the altar of expediency and the altar of we must have access to all your information and we need even more government and more government protection. And they would tell us, oh, we've been successful. There's not been another terrorist attack in this country in 20 years. Indeed, we foiled some of these attempts. Yes, And if you take a deeper look at a lot of these, and this is not conspiracy. Some of this has been reported on. Some of this is well known. And some of this is just plain embarrassing. A good number of these foiled attempts, these prevented attacks, were things that were, if not directly incited, encouraged by our own intelligence and let's call them police agencies, whether it was the FBI or the CIA or any number of those alphabet soup agencies, they have been looking for the next dragon that they can go slay. They have been trying to find the boogeyman to keep us all cowed, oh cowed, to obey their latest decree. So it really should have come as no surprise that a little over a year ago, When the latest emergency came, they sprung into action. How can we best corral the American people? How can we best prevent them from being Americans? How can we push them down even further? How can we make them swallow even more tyranny? But again, some of this was eminently predictable. Some of this was foretold. Some of this is just plain common sense. Yet, the majority of the people just choose to keep on taking it. Now, those same conservatives from 20 years ago, some of them have woken up. Some of them have said, well, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Maybe we should have repealed this when we had the chance. Maybe we should have listened to the great Dr. Ron Paul's son, Rand Paul, when he said, well, you know what? Maybe we just don't need to renew this. Maybe we could let the Patriot Act sail off into the sunset. Maybe we just don't need to have more and more government security agencies. Perhaps we could just choose not to renew these various aspects of the law. But again, much like his father, he was laughed at, poo-pooed, and said, Oh, you're holding us hostage. You're setting us up. 
Yet it appears that he was right. Now at the risk of becoming a pariah, In the remaining time that I have, let's discuss what did we get for our 20 years? What were the winners and losers out of this 20-year war? And you'll notice I've largely skipped over Iraq, which, strangely enough, seemed to have nothing to do with 9-11 whatsoever. Never proved. We both entered and exited there faster. We have a quasi-stable government there run by the Shiites. And we've created basically an Iranian superstate. But hey, you know, we got rid of Saddam. So good for us. So who were the big winners out of this? Well, certainly it was the Taliban. Because they're back. (laughs) And there's no Northern Alliance to stay in their way. Osama bin Laden. Yeah, you know, maybe he's dead and maybe he's not with those virgins that he thought he was going to get to see. But he did successfully take out another superpower. Oh, did you forget that we helped fund him and his adventures against the Soviet Union back in the late 80s? Did you think maybe he just somehow forgot that? No, 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 no. Afghanistan has been called the graveyard of empires for a good reason. And he baited us to our own doom. Now, it's not to say that the United States wasn't already on a collision course with reality for some time. Let's just give him credit for speeding it up. So Osama bin Laden, big winner. Iran. Oh, yes. Iran came out of this smelling like a rose. They have yet another uh, bordering country that is at least somewhat sympathetic to them. Um, not to mention they got the bonus of Iraq and now they're Russia's new ally. Hmm. How did that work out for us? Draw your own conclusions. Well, China, China certainly came out smelling like a rose. Now they get to, uh, invest in Afghanistan and create another portal for their belt and roads or belt and road, uh, activities. Uh, they have, Enjoyed watching us bleed ourselves dry and are buying up our assets as we squander them because we don't know how else to pay for some of these things. Yep, so China wins. Well, Russia wins by default because, well, we're no really, we're no longer really much of a threat to them, especially now that China has kind of surpassed Russia as a threat and we're kind of not able to do much of anything beyond lick our wounds and hopefully reconsider what our next course of action is. And hopefully it will be not provoking any further wars, but we'll see who is the big winners. Oh, well that would be our federal government who is larger and more extensive and more intrusive than it ever was. Who else won? Well, certainly the FBI because they're bulletproof. Never mind, They've been a scandal riddled mess for multiple years. They still keep on trucking along the NSA. CIA, any of those other alphabet soup agencies, yeah, they're still there. And they're still getting everything that they want. And nobody says a word. Who else is a big winner? (laughs) You know, I... Let's just call it the ruling establishment, the oligarchy, right? 
we could say globalists, but maybe that's not the right turn. And, you know, some people might run around saying I'm being anti-Semitic, which there are plenty of Jewish folks that are globalists and plenty of Jewish folks that are not. And just like there's plenty of Gentiles that are globalists and plenty that are not. So, yeah, just put that in your pipe and smoke it. Look, they're all the winners. But let's not forget Lockheed Martin, Boeing. Oh, I don't know. Maybe a half a dozen other great big military contractors that build the weapons that we seem to go through. And, you know, I could go run through all their names, but it really doesn't matter. TRW is kind of merged in with somebody else and, you know, several electronics firms have merged into somebody else. And I, I guess McDonnell Douglas is part of Boeing now. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's challenged to keep track of all this, uh, Textron, which owns Bell Helicopters, right? Not to mention the various manufacturers that get to partake in making Humvees and Bradleys and tanks. You know, they all won. Raytheon, big winner. Now that we've covered all the winners that I can think of off the top of my head, let's think about the losers. Well, that'd be the American Constitution, the American civil government, the taxpayer, the state governments, the local governments. And you ask, well, how? Well, you know, state governments have been largely compromised because they got to go along to get along because they want that coin. And they're being manipulated and abused by the D.C. swamp. And of course, even in Texas, we have our own Austin swamp and they don't really go rats behind as long as they get their piece of the action, right? But consider also, who else are the losers? We the people. We the people. We don't even recognize our country anymore. Indeed, here's the really sad thing. We took it on the chin. We're going to be paying for it for generations. Unless, of course, they completely crash the economy and reset it. Which, oh, wait a minute. There is a plan to do that. Well, maybe that'll happen. But, you know, we lose. Our children lose. Our grandchildren lose. And the ironic thing is, is after the last year and what's all happened in our country, you have to look over at Afghanistan and look at what their country is going to be like under the Taliban. And you got to ask yourself, who's more free? Think about it. In Afghanistan, only the women, only the women have to cover their faces in order to go out. But in our country, they had their way. We'd all have to cover our faces. In Afghanistan, you can travel freely amongst your country. Now, there are certain places you might not want to go if your tribe isn't in favor there. But in our country, they're trying to limit travel. They're trying to make it so you have to have a vaccine passport just to get on a plane or a train. Indeed, they don't even want you to do interstate travel in your own car. But we largely ignore that now, don't we? In Afghanistan... I mean, I don't know if they're still taking part in this barbaric practice, but I, we know that some parts, they like to do that uh, little uh, female circumcision, which, you know, is kind of a violent uh, medical procedure that most people would choose to decline. 
But here, oh, no, no, we're just going to give you this little injection. We're going to force you. So I ask you, which is worse? In Afghanistan, the uh, fathers and the grandfathers actually care enough about their women. Now, they, they don't treat them well. Let's be clear. But in their system, they keep their women out of harm's way. They may abuse them individually, but as a whole, if the women follow the rules, they treat them very well because they have a use for them. Unfortunately, that use is often like you would treat an animal, but consider what we're doing now. We abort, that's right, kill in the womb a million, a million unborn children every year. And the ones that are born, when they turn 18, we make them sign up for selective service. And we're, we used to respect women and not force them to do that. Well, we've decided that. Nope, nope. The mythological women warrior of the Amazon fame now needs to make up part of our military force. We don't think highly enough about women that we wish to protect them. We don't value them for what they bring, which is something that no man can ever bring, which is birthing a child, which is raising a child, which is nurturing and feeding a child in a natural way. Indeed, we pretend that men can become women, that women are men, and we treat them as such. And we pretend and say that we're so noble that we are so woke and that we're so embracing the present and the future. Meanwhile, over in Afghanistan, everybody has a role and everybody has a place. And it may not be fun and it may not be ideal. And quite frankly, I wouldn't wish that on my daughters and I probably wouldn't enjoy it either. But at least they recognize that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. So again, I ask you, which country is better off? Who has more freedom? Who respects the liberties of the others better? And honestly, I don't know that answer. But it's troubling that I can't definitively say that our country is so much better. Because at this point, I really don't know what it is. And, you know, the other thing is, I would imagine in Afghanistan, their method of trade is fairly stable. Whereas our currency is a joke. Our currency is a mess. And it's only because we're able to abuse enough other countries as part of the petrodollar that we get to pretend and maintain the value of our dollar. But we know... As Americans, as we watch, things cost a whole lot more now than they did just 18 months ago. They cost a whole, whole lot more than they did 20 years ago. And I can't even imagine the cost difference between 50 years ago and now. And you have to ask yourself, how does that happen? Is the cost of production going up that much? Is the cost of those products and services really worth more now? Or is it just that our dollar is worth less? And you got to ask yourself, why is the dollar worth less? But that's a whole nother subject in a whole other episode. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's 20 years later, and what did we get? A whole lot more questions, if you ask me. And I don't mean to be a, a downer. I just want you to think about what did we get for it? What was the investment? What was the cost of 20 years of the never-ending war that, quite frankly, is still not over yet? With that, my friends, this is According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.